Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Cobras and Fire. I'm your host, Luce Cannon, and today I am joined by Joy of the Rock Strikes 10 podcast. Baco is currently in Vegas, as he likes to pronounce it, as he mispronounces other words in the English language. Simple words like David LaRoth. This is not episode 100. This is a bonus episode. It was actually posted a couple weeks ago on the Rock Strikes 10 podcast, but we wanted to share it with you. It is true Cobras and Fire style, we break down story songs, songs that have a narrative, and we just go all over the place, tangents, etc. another episode of Podcast Gold. But the real episode 100, our historic landmark episode, will be out next week. Enjoy. Relax. You're quite safe here. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Rock Strikes! Hey, Luce, uh, uh, before we get going here with the list, do you have an adjective for me tonight? You're joined by... Yes, uh, my name's Luce Cannon. I'm joined by the charitable Joey. I don't have anything really funny about that. I just figured that would be a nice uh, like segue into some questions I have for you. 
Sure, we're trying to be charitable in, in light of uh, the whole Harvey thing. At least Harvey isn't a name that people were giving their kids so much in the last two, three generations, right? So we're safe there. This is your show, Joey. It's very we're two <laughs> alpha dogs in the same room right now. <laughs> we're not in the same room, but on the on the same uh, on the mic right now. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm so yeah. used to to leading Baco down the path of of silliness, and uh, so I'm I'm a give up the reins to you. I was just going to say, as far as the expo, maybe we do that after the next song, but I'm going to ease back your control of the show. What are we doing next? Yeah. So this was your idea all the way, which I was happy to do because I haven't done this really on the show. I did something kind of similar as to how I approach this, but it's definitely different enough. At one point, I think the closest I ever came to doing this type of theme was I did uh, real names and songs like, uh, What's a good example of that? Uh, David Bowie has a song called Andy Warhol. So it's real people that actually exist in songs. Like King's X actually has a song called Charlie Sheen, if you can believe that. But it's about Charlie Sheen? I I think it's not really even. I think they just used it for the rhyme or something and was like, oh, that's funny. Let's call it that. But it just didn't matter. It just had to have a real name in a song of someone that actually exists, and I played that. That was a really early theme. So this one's different, though. Because you wanted to do something called story songs. Yeah, and before yeah. you before you go into that, I just want to let you know you said sure. King's X, right? Yeah, perfectly rated. Continue. Oh, yeah. That's not See? an insult. That's not an insult. Don't you know what perfectly rated means on a show? It means that they're not over or underrated. They're That's perfectly right. They're rated. perfectly rated because of it's, factors it's, in life that have, have left have led them to where they are. Obviously, you know that's a little bit of a backhanded compliment, potentially. <laughs> potentially, it is. Anyway, continue. Uh, what was my idea? You were describing it. <laughs> I heard that show, by the way, on the way to Nashville. So. Oh, excellent. Uh, so, yeah, listen to Carpers and Fire, by the way. Yeah, so you threw this idea at me, and it was called Story Songs. Now, yes. my journey with this was, well, you know, all songs are stories, aren't they? At least at the... Very least, they're autobiographical. I feel like ninety percent of all songs are autobiographical, but I like the idea of pulling from that other percentage of whatever that breakdown is on the pie chart, where it's not about them; it's about other things or other people. Is this what I, I took from your mock list that you gave me in advance to kind of inspire me? Which I did get inspiration after that. Ah, I see. So all songs are are stories. Yes, I could, but I could, I could dispute that. <laughs> no, no, but what I'm saying is, like, even if it's something that's just so shallow and superficial, they're writing for or about themselves ninety percent of the time. Let's say, because that's what you do when you're in the music business. You have to have an ego to be in it, regardless of what anybody thinks. Or so, just stitching a bunch of cliches together and uh, making a song. Uh, I'm talking to Eugene Simmons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he has a handful of introspective things, but I feel like he he definitely <laughs> tries. But there's a lot of songs where it's about him, autobiographical, or what he, you think, or what he wants you to think is autobiographical, ah, like, you know, like, like 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 when he's with that stewardess on the uh, on the last on the monster album, right? Yeah, yeah. And Paul get, getting a little bit of a nookie in the elevator. These are all autobiographical, right? Yes, of course they are, and. Uh, you know that's the uh, that's the picture that was painted for us. So we'll just take it at face value, <laughs> won't we? Anyway, continue, so, please. Yes. Yeah, so get used the to way, the interruptions. Yes. <laughs> so um, story songs. I, I'm going to just proceed this with these are really quality story songs on my end. We're going to do five and five, and 
these aren't my five favorite ever. These are just kind of the first five that came to me within the matter of a couple of hours. <laughs> yeah, 45 minutes, actually. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because we were going to do a different show, which is going to be a special for Cobras and Fire down the line. We'll tease that for now. But uh, we came up with this because of scheduling problems. So I like this. We're going to do 10 songs that are story songs. Five for me, five from Loose Cannon. Loose, you are the guest. Yes. I have honors. Yes, you have honors. Go ahead and break. You know, I think that I'm going to start with, and I'm not sure because I haven't heard your Texas uh, episode yet. Now, that Mm -hmm. was one with songs or bands with Texas in the name, or, or what was the theme there? Strictly songs about with Texas in the title or Houston in the title. Okay, or Houston. Yeah. Now, are you a fan at all of of THC Texas Hippie Coalition? I, I I know them. I have one of their albums. I have nothing against them. I'm not. It's one of the things I, I've seen them live once, and you know, it's one of those bands that I haven't really dived into. Not not against them, but I don't know that I'm a fan yet or not. You know, kind of thing. And I know that they were literally on one of your first episodes. Yeah, yeah. And they actually came up with uh, that was part of the kind of the steal from them is they used to be part of our intro with a rock's not dead song that they have, or uh, yeah. just in rehab stuff like that. Well, anyway, the way I can best describe, if you don't know Texas hippie coalition, they've got about five albums. Now uh, they're excellent live. I've seen them twice. They're so much fun. Um, I'm not sure how long ago you, you saw them, but, but to me, they're basically Pantera. We have a lot of Pantera ish riffs with, mm-hmm. uh, with a sense of humor. And you know, Pantera doesn't have a sense, a sense of humor, really. So this not on not on wax they don't, but like in real life they were the biggest pissers. If you've seen any of their home videos, you know that to be true for sure. Yeah, so. sh- sure. Um, but yeah, so so big big dad rich is just this larger than life character in both uh, physical stature and, and like all of his all of his songs are either about he's a He'll drink you under the table, or he's a cowboy, or he's an outlaw, or he says a song called Eight Seconds where he dares a lady to ride him without getting bucked off of her, um, <laughs> bucked off of him. And, and just he's ridiculous. The lyrics, when you break them down, there's a lot of stories there, but they're all just madness. Like in the one one of the albums, Peacemaker, he's about nine different characters. And you just have to embrace the silly. And then, hmm. then the but the choruses are really catchy, and they are just a spot-on great live band. But I'm gonna play uh, a song, or I'm going to pick my song. My first pick is a song that has to do with him being an outlaw yet again, and it's called Don't Come Looking. Oh, man. 
So yeah, Joey, I, I'm thinking I, I want to do. I do want to talk about the expo, but I'm thinking that uh, yeah, might be too much. Loose, what? loose. What? Uh, you you know you're on my show, right? What does that mean? <laughs> it means let me carry the fucking show, all right? <laughs> all right, the floor is yours. <laughs> all right, having fun. Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. trying to embrace my inner cobras and fire rants, rock ridiculous. That's right. Wearing the shirt, I. Uh, Oh, it looks like, that's a good look. I like you're hanging out at Best Buy taking selfies, or I don't know if Nola was, t- took that. Or I was in Target actually, and the the Ooh, picture that... was taken in a specific section, which nobody really picked up on. The one guy that did pick up on what aisle I was in didn't get the joke because he doesn't listen. Okay, but I was in, I was in the sock aisle. Ooh, I did not notice that. <laughs> well done. Well done. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So that if you don't get that joke, you need to be listening to Covers and Fire with the cool kids. So. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll just leave that as a subtle reference, a teaser. Yeah. So yeah. So Local Boys THC, which uh, actually I'm, I'm that was one of the bands I had to cut off of my part two of the Texas tribute. So thank you for playing them on here. That was well done. Oh, uh, yeah. Actually, we're going to pick them. Okay. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, but here's here's something, and you mentioned about the whole eight seconds thing earlier when you were talking about you're not going to believe this but i have a song that deals with that really and it's the next one we're going to play here i think i played this on the show forever ago literally i think the third episode was about power trios and there's a song about a bull the most famous bull of all time who actually yeah, there was a there was a bull, and I'm not even a PBR guy, even though I live in Texas. Let's disclaim that. But do you did you ever see this movie? It was really over the top with the drama and everything. But it was called Eight Seconds from the '90s. I know what it is. It's just like the whole bull riding uh, championship, whatever rodeo, right? Yeah, no? so okay. I'm going to save everybody. You know, uh, as Peter Griffin would say, I'm going to save you two boobless hours here, and. Sure. Uh, tell you that the main star of the film that's played by i think it's luke perry if i'm not, if my mind is still there on it oh boy but he dies because a bull kills him and this guy was like the rock star of professional bull riders so it was actually a true story this movie okay and the name of the bull was bodacious i, I, I gotta ask you i gotta ask you real quick just to yeah. jump in sure do, since you're from texas do you go to rodeos or have you been to them <laughs> i have been to a rodeo but i haven't been to a rodeo probably since the mid to late 80s when I went and visited my grandparents. Okay. The reason I'm asking is sure. they, once a year they have this thing called the Western Rodeo Extravaganza or some shit here in Denver. And I was told mm-hmm. by people, you got to go take your kids. I have never had so much anxiety in my entire fucking life. Like I, I was like ready for <laughs> yeah. people to die on the back of yeah. those bulls and stuff like that. My 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 seven, six-year-old son was like, Dad, I want to leave. I don't like watching this. And they, yeah, it's a... They hyped it up every single time, and it was funny because the rodeo, you think, like country music, they would start with, like, uh, Sad But True and, like, fucking flamethrowers and all the stuff like that. And then they would go into, like, um, you know, like Crazy Train or whatever the cliche stuff is. But they would come sure. out, and I'm like, I'm like holy It's like a monster truck rally. Yeah, yeah it was, that's how they did it. But but I was, like, I was like, why would you ever want to do this to begin with? And they were saying, like, the prize is, like, $10,000. I'm like, to die? 10000 <laughs> Yeah, because like your life insurance pays off more than that, and you, and you don't even get to enjoy it because you're fucking dead. Yeah. So, Continue, so not only do you have like the uh, right up front there, not only could someone potentially die uh, during each segment, 
But if that's not enough for the kids, they're going to have clowns hanging around doing goofy <laughs> shit all night. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's double jeopardy in my opinion. Oh my god, it was terrible. We left quick. I was just like, this yeah. is not for me. Yeah, so. I remember the only I don't remember the the Bronco Rider so much is I remember they had this event. I don't think they do it anymore because it's cruel. It should be considered cruel. It should have been considered cruel from day one. But they would have these things where the guys were on horses and they race the baby calves. Yeah. And they have to catch up with them so they can jump off the horse and like bulldog them. Like, right. and they like, they grab them and tackle them, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that still goes on. Yes, it does still go on. It's, it's just oh. madness. I mean, who else? I just would like to so see. You know more about Monterio than I do now. <laughs> yes. I'm just saying, like, like again, we're going on a tangent. I remember we said, like, oh, we're going to do this quick and go to the next song. And now you're doing a pure. <laughs> I think you're, you're, you're moving over to our, our side yeah. of things. But yeah, who, who came up with the script? I'm going to make a, a show. <laughs> that's gonna have people almost dying on the top of bulls. We're gonna we're gonna jump on little baby calves and everything like that. It's just it's, we're gonna have clowns. I mean, you describe it. It's just who the hell? This is like the same thing as like the the meeting of the juggalos, <laughs> yeah. which was uh, a state away from me this year, and, and oh. thankfully we made it through okay. You would just think, any... yeah, you would think that that uh, that the uh, what the hell is that band name? The clown? What is it again? Insane clown. And clown you would think that they are the, actually the producers of all rodeos. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I care nothing for them. They even they even love pro wrestling, and I still don't like them. So, uh, and I'm a pro wrestling guy. But getting back to the the whole bodacious thing, the bodacious, the bull that has killed, I think a few times, but I think his his most famous kill is a guy named Lane Frost. Bodacious, a, bodacious tatas. Good movie, by the way. If you haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, that definitely has boobs in it for sure. Yeah. Unlike eight seconds. Continue. So, yeah, if you want to see a movie with uh, cowboys in it with boobs, I think uh, Brokeback Mountain actually does have female nudity. I did not know as a, that. As opposed wow. to, yeah, Anne Hathaway, dude. So Ooh, why not? I yeah. did not know that. Uh, still not going to make me watch that movie. All right. Well, moving on from the Mister Skin podcast, we have this next song that we're going to get to. From a, uh, I, th- I think, I, I think this is actually an underrated album. Uh, Perfectly because... rated. <laughs> well, we'll see. I don't know. Have you heard Andy Pop by Primus from 1999? Uh, no. Um, uh, but yeah, Primus is a not really for me. But but I, I know that people love them, and it sounds like you are. So I, I would actually, I, I would actually say, I would agree that they are perfectly rated. They have just the right amount of audience that is realistic. <laughs> so, cool. cause they, when they headline, they play like big theaters and that, I think that's pretty on par with where, how much I enjoy them as well. They headlined Lollapalooza the year that Allison Chains was there. Yeah. That, that was they, weird. they, they were real shit hot for a while. I mean, they had t- three records in a row go gold and that's pretty, that's pretty decent. Right. So, and you know, they can definitely play, obviously there's surgeons in there, but this, this is a neat song. It's from, uh, what I consider an underrated album, because if you have a 10 minute epic rock jam with Jim Martin and James Hetfield playing guitar in it, Ooh. then the fact that no one noticed that that happened and just went by, like nobody noticed it. And that's on Andy pop as well. A song called eclectic electric. Uh, but this other cool song, it's a real galloper and good thing too. Cause it's about a killer bull. Ballad of, Ballad of bodacious by Primus. Check it out. <laughs>
just might be. He's a cream-colored, beefy, broad, full-fledged, full-footed, bovine celebrity. Who's gonna run for Dacious? Who's gonna tame him down? Look out for Bodacious. That was Ballad of Bodacious by Primus from their last album before they initially broke up after 1999 and 2000, because I saw them at OzFest 99 that year, and the lineup on that was Les Claypool and Larry Lalonde on guitar. By the way, did you know Larry Lalonde was one of the unmentioned Satriani students that made it famous? You don't hear about all the other guys a whole lot, but he's one of them. Never heard of him. Okay. But Yes, yeah, so there you go. Okay. <laughs> he was, you know, who was, you name other Satriani guys? I don't know everybody. He no, I don't know who who did he train. I'm kind of interested. Steve Vai. That's that's the one I know. Yes, I know that one. Uh, this this dude from San Francisco. I don't know if you've heard of him. His name is Kirk Hammett. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Larry Lalonde and Primus is probably the next on the rung. Alex Skolnick is the other one. Yeah. That I did not know either. Yeah, that's and, that's the guy that everybody tells me is a great guitarist because he's in Testament. Yeah, I, I like Testament, but you would probably perfectly rate them. <laughs> Oh, absolutely, and, uh, perfectly rated. I do like some Testament, but but yeah, uh, and, very select. And I I wanted this drops a lot after this, but I don't know any other of his famous alum. I think it's like the guy that played guitar for Candlebox or something. So, so before Steve I came out with Surfing with an Alien, he was just at Guitar Center. Or was you know, he was? Is that who? Oh, he was? Sat- Satriani, you mean? Yeah. 
Well, he, uh, see, I don't know. I, I, I'm assuming he was just a private lesson guy. I, I taught from a private lesson guy. So they're usually at guitar, you know, it probably was a guitar center, but I, I don't know. I don't know if people went to his house because you used to be able to go to people's house back in the day. But, but so, Joey, you're a guy that knows facts. That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> see, I should know that, but I don't. Right. I even read like this long interview where Vi interviewed Satriani and they would, they were bullshitting about, you know, the teaching days and, the days he was stalking him and all this other stuff. But I, I don't know. I think, I think he actually did go to his house to take lessons. If I'm not mistaken, pretty amazing. Uh, bunch of students. My goodness. I did not know that. I only knew yeah. Steve. I, I only knew, I only knew Steve. I, that was the only one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the drummer on that particular track was not one of their original drummers, Tim Alexander, but their newer replacement for a couple of years, a guy named brain who, uh, infamously did stuff with Guns N' Roses later on during the Chinese Democracy long epic sessions there. I think he wound up getting most of the drum credits on there, if not a handful of them. But he was definitely there for a long time and did some of the tours, quote-unquote tours. That could be an episode in and of itself. Um, oh, God, yeah. Bak- okay. Bako is a fan of that album. I am not. Um, like one song, one song. I, I, I'll just... We'll talk about it later. That could be an sure. episode. Um, yeah, you know, before we get to the next song, let's talk. I mean, hell, it's been a week from this recording from us <clears> actually <throat> hanging out in person for the first time ever, which was bizarre and awesome at the National Rocket Pod Expo year one. Yep. So um, was I taller than you expected to be? or Because you're, you're a tall guy. I mean, do, uh, do you yeah. just look down at everybody like the alpha that you are? <laughs> no, I'm like, I'm like six, I'm six two, maybe with a with a with lifts. I'm six three. Yeah. Was I wearing lifts that day? I don't remember. You're, you're six two in flats, right? Yeah, that's right, six two in flats. Their thing. Um, no, everybody Thanks was for having me on. By the way, everybody's coming never, on the show. Yeah, no problem. You're like five ten, right? Five eleven. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody. The only person that was actually shorter than I expected was Camaro. That was, yeah, that yeah, was it. That's a good point. Because it's because he's involved in pro wrestling, so you just I guess, it, and, you know? and it's not like uh, you know, there's nothing to 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 you know any picture of him. It's not like he's next to a door or something where you can measure him. So <clears throat> I have to tell you, the Rock and Pod Expo. Before we went to it on all of our shows, we busted balls on what this could be. Correct the roast. Yeah, the, yeah. The, uh, we I, made fun of the special guests. We were coming up with with crazy scenarios of what what a clusterfuck this could be, and all in good fun and everything. And we were like super critical. And what the fuck? Uh, what were we getting to now? No, here here's the point: is that that uh, it was like I said, it was a great party thrown by a great host. And when I go to parties and I leave, um, I'm always pissed when somebody doesn't uh, have enough like stuff to eat and whatever or that uh, or did a shitty job preparing. Like they they brought twenty five people over, but they don't play music. That's my biggest pet peeve when you go to parties and they don't have oh, any yeah, music in yeah. the background. It's just dead fucking silence. What are you yeah. thinking? That makes no sense. So anyway, but you know what I don't do after I leave a party that's at my friends or whatever. I don't post online about it. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, I, don't I don't. I don't make an announcement of of things that I, that that I uh, found wrong with it and. So basically, I'm just gonna say that there and there's there's two things I have about this. And um, you ready? Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's a uh, a podcast called The Hustle. The guy named Joe, who I met there, who seems like a super nice guy. I I uh, met him uh, met him and talked to him. Met him at the the Inn at Opryland, things like that. And yeah. 
I listened to his his. Uh, did you have a chance to listen to his his little summary? No, I just I heard about it secondhand. Okay, <laughs> that's the problem. That's the problem with this. There was basically uh, a guy who I'm not going to mention that basically stirred the pot on this. I listened to it, and I'll send you the Dropbox link because Baco somehow got it and sent it to me. Well, yeah, the guy in question, by the way, did apologize to Joe later on publicly. Oh, I know. I know. That's why I'm not throwing names in. Here's my only thing about it. I went and listened to that, and it's like 35 minutes long. Here's mm-hmm. my whole summary of the, the criticism. That thing he did is so boring. I'm going to send it to you and see if you can go through it. <laughs> at one point, he's breaking down his first day. He talks about going at the end of the night, going to Cracker Barrel and having a hot fudge Sunday because he wanted, he, had, he had a sweet tooth. I'm talking about like he, he summarized every minute of his day. It is so – and I'm not even telling you – I'm not criticizing what he said. All he said really is – But he's a hipster. I mean I, I definitely like profiled him as a hipster and that sounds pretty spot on there. Okay, okay. Well, he – yeah, his, his collection of stuff he listens to is whatever. He has his audience for it. But the thing is is that all he did was say it was – he goes, it was really weird the fact that podcasters are sitting around doing podcasting, which is kind of boring, which makes no sense because he's a podcaster and everybody's recording. The other part that he that he said that I completely agree about it, it is that the rock metal pot uh, little show rock uh, rock and combat metal combat podcast was way too loud. Point is, is that <clears throat> yes, he had some criticisms of the fact that there should be two rooms, there should be a wall, things yeah. like that. I mean, the recording. I'm all was, for that. I'm all for that. And that's a simple criticism. Um, yeah. And, and I think Senzak knows that by now. I think Senzak's already got that plan for next year. Oh yeah, I mean, we'll like separate them. And I always thought that was going to be kind of an issue, but in mm-hmm. short, the the fact is, the guy put this up. The thread was like two hundred comments on the on the <laughs> on the thing. People were going out absolutely batshit um, about this whole thing, and it was very. It was only like two or, th- or three. I don't even say there's like two minutes out of the whole thing that he was being critical. Um, but anyway, the main thing was it was just boring. I mean, I'll yeah. send it to you, and if, if you get through it, it, it's it's almost like waterboarding. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, the thing that I you saw. You, I don't know if you saw me in the two hundred comments. I did one thing and I walked, but like, I just thought that the things I was hearing that he said, I, I was like, you know, if you want to, if you want to bash something that's, you know, by the way, he didn't even have a table. He came there. Right, he was walking book, around. He didn't even yeah, book a table, and then it was. Yeah. He, that's why he was bored. I'm like, why would you? Yeah. Why would you not have a what? This doesn't make yeah. any sense. So the, the thing that bothered me about it is that because, and of course, we're closer to it, and the person that had a problem with him was really close to it. Matter of fact, he's a sponsor, and I love the guy. And so my thing is, I realized why he got attacked by that person the way he did is because if anybody deserved to be at that podcast sans bj and senzak it was that guy honestly that guy is all about podcasting he's a podcaster's best friend and he even threw in money to help it out sure. even though he couldn't be there so he took it very personally like this fucking guy got to go and i didn't so there's a lot a lot of it's like just taking it personally and taking it to right. where it's like right. but you everything know, I'm tell him off so that's right. why he, I, i'm you know I, I am defending him but that's why he did it but on the other hand criticizing something that's in its infant stages like this is so counterproductive to everything that we do and that he does and we all do. And it just, it doesn't make sense to do it. You want to, let's say you want to do a show, like let's say he took a, a, a mic out to Coachella mm-hmm. and he just like ripped it. No controversy. Cause that thing, it doesn't need his business. And 
if he goes and trashes it on a show, even it can go as viral as it can humanly possibly viral and it still won't hurt the next year of that event. It's still going to happen. I think, I think that that's the part I took no. personally. Well, it's like, well, if you listen to it, to bash it near right. one, but it's very, very odd because the whole time he's like self criticizing and, and like almost like self loathing himself. Um, yeah. And he goes, he's like, well, I know I was there and nobody really wanted to see me and I didn't have a table and this, I'm like, what? It just made no sense. You'll listen to it and your mind will just explode. It's, it's yeah. very odd. But the point being is sounds like me in junior high. Yes. So the, the, the whole thing is, is that, that if you have concerns, that's kind of like a private message. Well, did he come or what? Jesus Christ, man. There's just some things you don't talk about in public. Exactly. Whoever, some, stuff like that and, and this and that. Like all the stuff that we were doing that made uh, Chris Sinzak uh, crazy prior to the expo. And he sits down for an interview with us and just like, <laughs> what the fuck, guys? Like a roast every five years is fine. But every episode, you guys are busting my balls up to the show. Yeah. And he like goes off on us in a funny way. But the whole thing is we make fun of what we love. And yeah. this is a different version of it. And we would never come back. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, of course, there were some things that could have been better. But overall... <laughs> I had a time, Baco and I and my buddies, 100%. And I can't wait for the next year and the year after that because it's only going to get better and better. So um, we'll move on unless you have anything else to say. That guy got all the attention and he got attention from us. So since all podcasters really at the end of the day, don't we all want attention? Well, congratulations. You got it now. So that's really the main idea here. Right. Right. That goes for Rock and Metal Combat. That goes for The Hustle, Cobras and Fire, Rock Strikes 10. Your mom. Man, um, we're not even on the third song yet, brother. Yeah, let's... Uh, okay. So I just I said uh, before that happened, uh, basically, is there anything else you want to say about the expo? <laughs> uh, Aces, thank you, Chris Senzak. Thank you, BJ Cramp. Yep. Uh, let's do it again next year. And yeah, my, my biggest regret, the thing that really, besides me losing 30% of the audio I recorded... Oh. And of course, the people I'm less likely to talk to, like, of course, your shit got saved. Of course, yeah, I wish did. mine was deleted and you got the, uh, the other stuff <laughs> but instead. Uh, Seriously. It, the, the thing I regret the most is just I just felt like I only got to talk. I mean, literally only got to talk to everybody I wanted to talk to for a few minutes on a clip. Like it was like being on the show, but like less than because like so little FaceTime with everybody and just want to talk to everybody. And there's so much going on. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like it's like when I went to WrestleMania or when I went to the Kiss Cruise, like I didn't get to do everything that I thought that I could do or want to do. That's why there's next year. Yeah. I mean, that's why it needs to continue, because, man, we we didn't even go have dinner with each other, you know, like things like that. I mean, that's that's the real stuff for me. So anyway, Um, next song. God. Yeah, my God. One of my favorite bands the last couple of years is I am a massive John Karabi fan. You like John Karabi, correct? I think I think oh, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I even had, I had the, um, I, I did hear the scream for the very first time prior to Karabi getting the Motley gig in the '90s. And honestly, the first song I heard, I was like, ah, that's not very good. Mm-hmm. But when MC94 came out, man, sold like 100. percent Absolutely no. That that's a, that's a spectacular album, and I always loved his voice. And I never even heard the scream until many years later. I talked about sure. it on the podcast because um, it basically just vanished. It was hard to find. And I saw Karabi on that tour with Motley, by the way. Really? How was yeah. that? I saw it in a shed, believe it or not, which is probably one of the bigger crowds they played to that whole tour. But I think they toured most of America that summer under the guise of a lot of rock stations, like Summer Festival. Sure. And that was my my local rock station, the Eagle. 
they were like hyping at Motley Crue and they were actually spinning the records because of that, hmm. which was real smart on their part to join up with all the radio stations because they definitely needed the help. Not not that it like really served them great in the end, but it got them on a tour in the summer. Was it good? It was a phenomenal show. I, I like, figured. I saw at some point they had like something where they would do like an acoustic part. Like they would go yeah. into like a, that's awesome. That was one of my favorite parts. They did Revolution by the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And man, I hope there's pro shot of that. I mean, I'm, I bet you anything there might be at least something decently shot from them that's in the can. You know, obviously there's no point to release it, but right. man, they did Revolution. They, you know, they did Love Shine acoustic. They did Home Sweet Home acoustic. So they did about three or four songs. And man, that was, and getting to hear Karabi do Shout the Devil and Livewire, those were fucking balls out. They were great. Man, I, so, wish, I, would, I wish I would be able to hear that. And that kind of just goes to that there's a band called Dead, uh, you're familiar with Dead Daisies? Of course. Yeah. So, uh, I wasn't really into them. I've heard their first album. It was okay, and there was like yeah. Slash, I guess, it on them. But once they mentioned that Karabi was in the group, I was like, I'm in. Exactly. Yeah, um, me too. That's when I started buying their records. Absolutely. Yeah, and the last one, Make Some Noise, great album. Um, I like this one and the previous one, which I think is called Mexico, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And uh, both of those are just solid, straight-up rock albums. And I actually, this is the, the example of, of how you forget things, like, I had it, and then because I don't have the physical as much, because my children destroy everything I own, um, I I don't buy. I basically just you know just download and buy on iTunes, and I forgot how much I like this album. So when I was looking for songs for this episode, the one that I'm going to feature is one of my favorite tracks on that album called "Song and a Prayer." <laughs>
That was Song and a Prayer from one of the better albums from last year, Dead Daisies. Make yeah. some noise. I'm glad you're By the way, I remember uh, when, when I was on, uh, I'm going to shamelessly plug an episode of Cobras and Fire that I was on, but the uh, five or six part Alice Cooper spectacular. I, I believe one of the parts you had Rob Kern doing um, one of the talking bits at the beginning of one of those parts. We did. And I think uh, there was almost a mention that Spitfire was like, you know, not in existence anymore, but he was like, really putting over Spitfire as like the savior for hard rock and metal in the early 2000s, which they were for sure. But I didn't realize this until the Dead Daisies album came out last year. The Spitfire is actually still around because I think it's more European based now, but that's the label that helped put out that Dead Daisies record, believe it or not. So did not know that. SPV and Spitfire are the labels that are on the physical product here that I'm holding right here in my hand. Huh. Yeah, I, so, I, I can't remember the last time I saw Spitfire or anything. But anyway. Yeah, exactly. That threw me off. Uh, and I didn't mention that on my show, but I'm doing that now since I didn't do it last time because I'm a freaking nerd. So That's correct. Uh, my next song, let's see. Do I have uh, my five songs? Do I have a good segue? You know, I'm just going to go with probably if I did like a degrees of separation, like Kevin Bacon from John Karabi, I think I can do this in one degree of separation from John Karabi since from time to time you would see Eric Singer project tour around like kiss expos and international kiss expos and European tours. And from time to time, a gentleman by the name of John Karabi would actually be a part of the Eric Singer project and even sing lead on a lot of the songs on their one released record. So that all being said, uh, the next song features drums by Eric Singer because it's something off of Alice Cooper's dirty diamonds record. Mm. And uh, you familiar with this record at all? Of course. Yeah. And I think this is the last album where Alice used a lot of Ryan Roxy co-writes. And I'm not just saying this because Ryan Roxy, like me and him are real tight now and everything, of course. But um, no, he's a nice guy. Every time he comes to town, he gives us. What's that? What's that on the floor? What? What did you drop on the floor? Oh, yeah. I dropped Ryan Roxy's name as as a friend. Continue. Uh, it's enough to where I can text him from time to time and actually get a response. So that's the that's the friend zone part that I'm in with Ryan. So good guy. Anyway, I'll pick I, that I up off to, my I, foot. I, I do have to say that uh, the new one, um, I definitely think if I was going to take the three eyes, dirty, and paranormal, I'm going to pick those two over the paranormal. Oh, absolutely. And I, I would do the same thing, honestly. So the thing I was, you know, and I don't like to bring this up. I brought it up the first time when I met Ryan, basically saying like, dude, I wish you would write songs with you again. And obviously he's like, yeah, I know. Right? right. And that's obviously what his attitude would be. Win, lose or draw, you know, of course, happy to have the gig. And he's, you know, the longest tenure guy besides Chuck Garrick at this point, cause he was off for a few years. So they're about equal right now in their tenure right. overall. But you listen to the songwriting and the best songs on eyes of Alice Cooper and dirty diamonds are Ryan Roxy co-writes. I don't think that's a coincidence because no. what's also not a coincidence is he didn't use Ryan at all on along came a spider more proof in the pudding right there. God damn. So, that's a terrible, that's a zero. That is an absolute zero of an album. And we talked about that. If there's an Alice Cooper album, you should know it's that record. Yeah. Sorry, Amy. Sorry, Baco. Okay. So that being said, there is a great, uh, storytelling song in the great Johnny Cash tradition. And this definitely could have been a Johnny Cash song, which would have been phenomenal. Sorry if you can hear my cat. It's fine. Um, that's podcasting. There's a song in there about a cross-dressing bank robber named Jesse Jane. So for my storytelling pick right now, I'm going to play the ballad of Jesse Jane. That's a great pick. Thanks, man. Yeah, I love that song. 
Texas town In my sister's wedding gown I drive a truck all night long Listening to Judy Garland's song Looking for a happy meal I parked my rig And I went inside They've never seen Such a pretty bride Jesse Jane Are you insane Or are you just a normal In every redneck in that one horse town His face was red, his fist was clenched He threw his coat and he got me drenched Jesse, Jane Are you insane? Or are you just an average Joe? For a fashion show Jesse Pulled a pistol from my wonder bra I killed them dead <laughs> I killed them all And they finally caught me in the bathroom stall And now I'm doing ten to life But I'll tell you one thing, Bubba Someday I'm gonna make someone in here A hell of a wife Jesse Jesse That was uh, an Alice Cooper co-write with Ryan Roxy, Ballad of Jesse Jane. Just a great, 
funny. Uh, it, it never gets old. That that's what makes it a great song and a good story to tell. Would have made a great video too. But hey, what's what's some of the lyrics? I'm, I'm there's some that make me laugh out loud every time. I'm in jail in a Texas town in my sister's wedding gown. There you go. Stuff, stuff no, like it's, that. It's all that stuff. But just yeah. a, just a great song. Perfect Alice song too. Mm-hmm. But uh, my what next. Got, which I got? Yeah, loose. Take it away. Yeah. So I know that you. I don't know if you did a whole episode on this or not, but it would. I would. I would definitely entertain another time that either you guessed on mine or or this might fit better in, in yours. But uh, one of my favorite albums of all time. You're talking about Desert Island. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard for me to put that, but but if there was a top ten, this one would be there, and that's Paul's Boutique by the Beastie Boys. Oh yeah, you know, okay. spoiler, that might be in my top ten as well. That's that is a perfect fucking album. It, it is. never gets old. It God, is. I, I, I did a whole show where I played the original source material of some of the better samples on. Is it. that the one? Yeah, I think that's what I heard. You did yeah. do an episode on that, didn't you? Okay. Yeah, I, I got I got a few looky loos that normally don't listen listen to that, so that was a proud moment. But uh, yeah, I mean, man, I could I could talk about that album all day. Please yep. take it away. Yeah, I mean, I still remember getting that. But I'm, I'm not sure if all the was your cassette red. I had a green cassette. So it was, okay, so they did a bunch of different colors, and I remember just getting an album. And the first time it, I had it, or, or uh, first time I listened to it front to back, I was just kind of confused. Because, Me too. Like, did you kind of not like it, but you were like, I think I want to like this, but I don't get it yet kind of cor- thing. Correct. Yeah. The, the first one I went to that one that, that, um, like I liked, uh, looking down a barrel of a gun. Cause obviously yeah. it was guitar oriented and there's a couple other ones that, that hit me. And then once, yeah. um, the good thing is it had, you know, that those when cassettes, it opened up and it was like just a scroll. That thing yeah. was massive. Cause there's so <laughs> many lyrics and I was just reading the lyrics. And I'm like, this is just genius. I mean, and then after a couple more listens, I was like, "This is so layered. This is this is an incredible album." And then and then now that I have you have we have the source of Wikipedia where you just see that they took like two hundred different sources, right, for the yeah, album. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. I, I I'm repeating stuff from this episode, sure. but I think the quote is, and I still haven't read the thirty three and a third book on it, which I need to. But even just reading stuff online, and I read an article what is in this the book? magazine. There's there's a book series called Thirty Three and a Third, and it's just stories about particular random classic albums, and they're even like small books, like they could literally probably fit in your pocket. And uh, there's a whole book on Paul's Boutique. Also, I, so. I gotta buy that. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Look up Thirty Three and a Third, like you know, just when you go on Amazon or whatever. Okay. And uh, so supposedly what happened was, you know, like sampling was just at its peak because nobody yep. was still having to pay for it. But the thing was is that you still had to report that you were sampling to like BMI and ASCAP mm-hmm. because, you know, they were just paying out averages, almost kind of like the way they do now with streaming, which is very sad. So they were getting ripped off then. So that's why in Beastie Boys history, you know, in their discography, the samples dry up like a lot between Paul's Boutique and Check Your Head. Sure. And even more even more so afterwards, but they became more live anyway. But that, that all being said, they literally like turned in their hundreds of samples like on this sheet. And I, I think like they faxed it over to him, and the label guy says, "You guys really give a shit about like these songs?" And they're like, "Yeah." And they just kind of molded over. Apparently, after a few minutes, and said, uh, "How about five grand?" And they're like, "Sure, great. We'll send the check tomorrow." Kind of thing. So, oh my god, they That's they cleared they cleared that whole album for like five grand supposedly. This is the story I've heard, and like this would be millions of dollars, like millions of dollars today if you like legit went after. 
Beatles stuff. Sure. And, you know, like even down to that little poison sample on there, you know, or the sweet poison sample. They, I don't know if it's a stock sound, but the only place I've ever heard it, it's that thing. That's the bridge gap between love on the rocks and nothing but a good time. When open up and say, ah, really? that, that part is sampled on high plains drifter between the second and third verse. Well, that's a perfect segue for this. That is the song that I'm featuring, which is one of my favorite songs on the album and a great story, kind of like Paul Paul Revere Part 2, and that is High Plains Drifter.
cool. Nice. Cool. Nice. And, you know, I, I probably in my brain, in the back of my brain, when I first heard that originally made the correlation between it being kind of a Paul, Paul Revere, as I keep saying Paul's boutique. Yeah. Yeah. A, a Paul Revere sequel, but yeah, you nailed it, man. I mean, that, that is really what that song is, but like in the best possible way. Oh, yeah. And uh, that song is so good. It made the Eagles cool for three minutes. You got that so. right. <laughs> I never knew that was that sample until later. It's yeah, all, all I like those things. Yeah, and it's, I can like those shoes fine because it's it's almost more of a Joe Walsh song. So yeah. uh, so it's it's okay to like that one, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, that and in the city. Okay, this one right here. Since that last one involved a lot of gunplay and stuff like that, and just general crime. Sure. Let's let's go with some more gunplay, albeit legal gunplay, as talking about war. So. This is uh this is a song that is so heavy and so good. It was the last song that a and I don't use the term genius loosely. I never do. Uh, but Warren Zevon, the last song he ever played in public was this song, Rolling the Headless Thompson Gunner. And if you haven't heard this song, it is a mother. And it's about it's about a Thompson gunner in the war. It's like a, the Korea, I don't know, it's Korean conflict. It has something to do with something that went on in the early 60s. So forgive my non-history here. I should have been better researched on this track. But like the song will tell the tale. I don't need to know anything about it. Warren's going to tell you right here. Roland was a warrior. From the land of the midnight sun With a Thompson gun for hire Fighting to be done The deal was made in Denmark On a dark and stormy day So he set out for Biafra To join the bloody fray Through 66 and 7 They fought the Congo on their triggers knee deep in gore days and nights they battled the band to to their knees they killed to earn their living and to help out the Congolese Roland the Thompson Gunner Roland the Thompson Gunner Comrades fought beside him, Van Owen and the rest. But of all the Thompson gunners, Roland was the best. So the CIA decided they wanted Roland dead. That son of a bitch, Van Owen, blew off Roland's head. Stalking through the night In the muzzle flash Of Roland's Thompson gun In the muzzle flash Of Roland's Thompson gun Roland searched the continent For the man who'd done him in He found him in Mombasa 
in a ballroom drinking gin. Roland aimed his Thompson gun. He didn't say a word, but he blew out a one's body from there to Johannesburg. Roland the headless Thompson gunner. Roland the headless Thompson gunner. Headless Thompson Gunner Talking about the man Rolling the headless Thompson Gunner The eternal Thompson Gunner Still wandering through the night Now it's ten years later But it still keeps up the fight In Ireland, in Lebanon Palestine and Berkeley Eddie Hurst Heard the burst of a Roland's Thompson gun And bought it I gotta say, when, when I'm doing these shows, you know, when I'm listening to the song while I'm recording, you know, I, I'm guilty of going on Wikipedia, but I gotta say, Wikipedia paid off really well for this particular song, Rolling the Thompson Gunner, which you just heard by the late, great Warren Zevon off of Excitable Boy and a really good best of called Genius. So if you've never dived into Warren, get Genius. That is an amazing compilation. But uh, <laughs> the guy that uh, made The Lost World, Jurassic Park, okay, he named both the Vince Vaughn character and the Pete Postlethwaite character after those two guys. God damn, really? Shut up, cat. I have to do that whole thing again. Go ahead. He named both Vince Vaughn and Pete Postlethwaite's character, which are the two... God damn it, hang on. Get the fuck out of here! She just had her mouth like up against the bottom of the door and had the door closed. So she literally like, like a kid does like, hello. Right. She's a fucking ham. I love her to death, but she's a fucking ham. Every time I do a podcast. So the two main antagonists in the lost world, Pete Postlethwaite's character and Vince Vaughn's character, they're actually named after the two main characters in that song. (laughs) So the guy was that much of a nerd for that song that he put them in his movie, his highly, highly risky Spielberg production. You talking about Michael Crichton? No, um, the guy. Like, I think the, the guy the that wrote writer. it. Yeah, I think the guy that wrote it or something like okay. put that in there. And uh, <laughs> and their names and the uh, and Pete Postlethwaite's character is named Roland Tembo, and then Vince Vaughn's character's last name is Van Owen. Those are the two characters in the song there. So, just a lot of layers and a lot of fun facts about that song. But I think it'll speak for itself. And if you never saw him play it on Letterman during his death episode, which yeah, he was he got the whole hour. He's the only guy that ever got the whole hour on Letterman. That is one of the best episodes of any show ever. So go check it. Check out. Go down the Warren's Yvonne rabbit hole. Anyway, take it away, Luce. Sure. Um, well, I'm going to go to kind of lighten things up right now. And, <laughs> you know, this is a band that I have a love-hate relationship. And most of it is hate. And it's only come up in the last year because it's probably the worst live concert I've ever seen. And that is Steel Panther. What are your thoughts on them? <laughs> I've heard your rants on them. I've never seen them live, but if if what you say is true, then they're true. not they're not as cracked up as they're supposed to. Whatever the fuck, okay. then uh, they don't seem to deliver uh, the way they should, really. Because 
I've seen YouTube clips of them and they're fun, but yes. obviously that's a very small portion of the show. No, no. When they are in a fest situation and they have 50 minutes to play, they're they're great because they keep their bits very short. They play yeah. uh, 10 songs or whatever, and that's it. The problem is, is when they're headlining, they play for an hour and 40 minutes and they still play 10 songs. <laughs> and everything in there is improv that's not good improv. I mean, they, they just, they're just, uh, it's just... Anyway, so my the whole best, thing is the best. The best thing has to be when they brought that kid out on stage to play Eruption, and he fires the guitar player right then and there, which is a great bit. I don't know if you've seen that before. <laughs> no, the they have a lot of that stuff. Yeah, the kid's nailed Eruption. He looks over and goes, "You're fired," and he walks off stage. <laughs> yeah, like I'm saying, when they're on, they're on. And I've, yeah. I've seen them three times, and two of them in a fest situation, and one of them is headline. So all I say is that. If you're going to see them, see them in a fest. They keep everything okay. tight. Um, and, and I do like a lot of their, their, their stuff. I mean, they're, they definitely can play, uh, definitely catchy. And if you take out the ridiculous lyrics, they're actually be great. I mean, it would be legit 80s rock, right? Yeah, they're all from professional bands back in the 90s. Yeah. So they all know how to play. Exactly. Yeah. So, And they have a lot of fun. Like on uh, when they're playing live, they say, like, I just want to let everybody know that everything that's being sung here is 60% live. <laughs> which is probably a shoot i heard they use tracks so. oh yeah they absolutely do the, the the they have huge gang vocals in the choruses and anyway so the i mean what are you you're going to criticize a joke band oh these guys aren't playing live nobody cares so, so the the thing is though is that on um you know a great title for a for a, an album balls out <laughs> and uh amazing cover uh, yes, but, oh my god so anyway on that album they have some some definitely some choice songs and i'm going to feature one of them which is a great story song but also with that said you know to, to give you an idea of steel panther my 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 love-hate relationship do you know who does the intro uh to that album what comedian you know what that's the only one i don't have is balls okay out. well i'll tell you this much they picked dane cook to do yeah. that to do the intro for their album which kind of it makes sense brings them down immediately (laughs) so i got that and that's kind of the the thing with them so anyway this song they are song thieves so i mean they're all in good company you know joke thief song thief exactly so (laughs) So we've got um so i'm going to feature the track which has has to do with you know basically a guy that that is just not having the best day because everything he wants is happening tomorrow night.
right, that was Tomorrow Night by Steel Panther from Balls Out. I feel like they missed the opportunity. They should have held on to that album title for a couple more years so they could have gotten uh, uh, Caitlyn Jenner to be on it. Because uh, <laughs> they did make a Caitlyn Jenner reference in, on their latest record, by the way. So that's all fair game. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but yeah, with, hey. with them, it's like I like their more subtle songs. Like I love um, – uh, I can't remember. It's something about hell or whatever like that. Like it's, you can fry an egg on the floor and they have um, like a, um, I can't remember the one where he's, he's so great, but then they have songs like a uh, gang bang in a, in a, uh, in the old that? folks home. <laughs> that was that a bit far. That, that's a bit far. I gotta say on that same record, what is that? All you can eat. Yeah. The song, if I was the King, which is their most Van Halen song. And I love it. It's a great song. It's uh, the, the one, the lyric I will never forget is the one if i were the king i'd outlaw clo- i'd outlaw clothes for chicks so you could see who shaves their pussies and the ones that are hiding dicks i know that's <laughs> what i'm saying like there's some great lines but then they go way too far like glory yeah, hole and, like, glory yeah. hole and stuff like that i'm like good god it, it basically boils down to what your sexual uh taste is and what your sexual barometer is yeah one steel panther crosses that then they're not for you. And then when they dial it back, it's like, oh, okay. So that's how I am with their songs. You have to, you have to literally take the band on your personal sexual preference almost. Oh, I know what it is. <laughs> one of my favorites is called "The Burden of Being Wonderful." That oh, a, that's a good one. Yeah, it's a yeah, hilarious one. It sounds exactly like Hysteria, Def Leppard. Too. Yeah, or to keep the sexual innuendos going here, I think they probably shot their wad with fuck all night party all day. Cause that is a perfect rock song right there. Oh, you're going to have my buddy, the fact bastard, uh, Rob, who you met there. Uh, he will, he, that's his favorite song by them. And, and basically Rob describes the uh, steel Panther as imagine all eighties rock without any innuendo. Instead of saying like, kneel down and taste my sword. They just say, kneel down and <laughs> blow me. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, exactly. There's nothing subtle. All right, so from Steel Panther, I think this is a good segue because we're going to deal in some uh, sexual innuendo once again. Right. I, I feel like, I feel like such a fucking snob with you on here because I'm like you for a storyteller's episode. Basically, you pick a fucking Steel Panther song, <laughs> and I'm all like Warren Zevon, and now I'm going to talk about Frank Zappa. So, man, I'm such an asshole. Look, listen uh, to who but, the hipster is. You're calling somebody yeah, else I know. I, yeah, oh, yeah. It's because we I can smell Warren Zevon and Frank Zappa, and I'm not sure what yeah. you're doing here with your Panther. And coming up, we have David Marsh to talk about Please. the third session on Thunder Road. Uh, is Wilco coming up next? <laughs> yeah. Only one and only time. Thanks, Randy Brown. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. He did that on purpose, too. I guarantee you that would have not even broken number 11 on his desert island, but he did that just to be an asshole. Horrible band. Horrible. Continue. <laughs> I, I, I got to do a tangent. I'm sorry, dude. I know you're, please. I know it's late. No, please. Um, I'm already in trouble. Well, yeah, might as well shoot the load, right? Yep. So I remember, uh, by the way, good records over in Dallas, Texas. Good guys. Of course, I went to the Alice Cooper uh, reunion over there. I'm just going to say, but I, I went to a midnight sale, because they, they, they're always open at midnight for new releases, no matter what it is, pretty much. Uh, but I was the only, I went in to get the Stay Hungry Twisted Sister 25th Anniversary Vinyl Reissue. And if you bought it there, you got a free copy of the DVD from the MTV concert. Which was you know, it's a good thing awesome. you went at midnight, because I would have been sold out the next day. <laughs> no kidding, right? But like I said, love me some good records. But yeah, they you know the hipsters are definitely king over there. So... I walk in there and I am the only dude buying it and they're open at midnight, but they're also selling the new Wilco 
at midnight uh, and I walk in there and it's like Eddie Murphy in 48 hours in that hillbilly bar. <laughs> and, uh, and dude, they're not only are they waiting to buy Wilco, they're watching like the Wilco documentary DVD. So it wasn't enough. It's like, I'd like to buy the twisted sister record. And it w- then it just turned into like, I'm just p- going to pay and just walk out of there. Like walking backwards. It was like the birds, you know, <laughs> oh my God. at the very end of the birds where they're walking away from the playground, you know, like take my record and leave. And they're all just staring longingly at the screen and they're going into their songwriting process and all that. And it's just like, just knock me out, man. All right. Yeah, no, I mean, watching a Wilco documentary is, is like those, uh, you know, what is it? What is it when you see like a TV of a TV of a TV? You know what I'm talking about when it's like the endless thing? <laughs> yeah. It'd be the same thing as watching a guy masturbate like over and over and over because it's like so self masturbatory that 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 thing for, like for infinity yeah, that documentary has to be Naval like masturbating gazing. with yeah it's like masturbating with a cheese grater slightly amusing but mostly painful that's exactly right I mean my I stole God. that from Ford Fairlane by the way oh so. yes yes I know all right so uh, Frank Zappa once again and we've got some sexual innuendo galore on here but it does tell a story and it, it has a beginning and an end so. I think I'm going to go with this one because uh, if you, especially if I play the live version, live version is, is better. Actually, I was going to play Bobby Brown goes down, which is a disturbing song itself <laughs> and could be a steel Panther song actually, but I'm going to play this one. It's a little more subtle, but it's just, it's a nothing story, but you hear it from the beginning to the end and it's honey. Don't you want a man like me? By the way, have you ever had that uh, Bobby Brown, um, Ale, Bobby Brown ale. Have you ever had that? No, no. S- slight crack aftertaste. <laughs> it's gone. What? Your talent for sucking? I never. Honey, honey, hey, baby, don't you want a man like me? Honey, honey, hey, baby, don't you want a man like me? He was the playboy type, he smoked the pipe, his favorite phrase was out of sight. He had an Irish setter. <laughs> it was a singles bar, a Tuesday night, the moon was dim, the band was tight. They did the bump together. What a splendid sight. Run, dun, dun, dun. Her teeth were wide. It was late as night. He was glad that he met her. She was an office girl. My name is Betty. Her favorite group was Helen Reddy. They discussed the weather. Hana, Hana, hi. Baby, don't you want a man like me? Hana, Hana, hey. Oh, baby, don't you want a man like me? Honey, honey, hey. Oh, baby, don't you want a... Oh, baby, don't you want a... Oh, baby, don't you want a man? She was a lonely sort, just a little too short. Her jokes were dumb, and her favorite sport was hockey in the winter. He was duly impressed and was quick to suggest any sport with a... Ah! Had to be about the best as he jabbed his elbow in her... Get it, honey? 
Later on they went off to where the music was soft. The candles were drippy. They saw a real hippie who delivered their dinner. The rice was brown, and soon they found that the crowd around that had jammed the room, well, it seemed to be getting thinner. Honey, honey, hey, baby, don't you want my man like me? Honey, honey, hey, oh, baby, don't you want a man like me? Honey, honey, hey, baby, don't you want a, oh, baby, don't you want a, oh, baby, don't you want a He took her home to a motor court. She wouldn't kiss him. He tried to ignore it, but it made him angry. Make me angry! Make me so angry! I could have killed that man! He called her a slut, a pig, and a whore, a bitch, and a cunt, and she slammed the door in a petulant frenzy. A petulant frenzy! This is a petulant frenzy! Fuck you too, buddy. You know what I mean? Fuck you very much. On the sofa she weeps. Oh, 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 oh. She weeps and she weeps. Oh, 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 oh. She weeps and she peeps through the curtain. He just got in his car, but the battery's dead. So he asked to use the phone, and she gives him some head, and that's the end of the story. Hannah, Hannah, hey, baby, don't you want a man like me? Hannah, Hannah, hey, baby, don't you want a man like me? Hannah, Hannah, hey, oh baby, don't you wanna? Oh baby, don't you wanna? Oh baby, don't you wanna? Baby, don't you want a man sometime? Wait a minute. Uh, that was Honey, Don't You Want a Man Like Me from Lather. You have to say leather because it's like L.A. with the umlauts on there. Mm-hmm. Lather. That's a cool release. I don't want to go into the whole history of it. It's cool history about that record. But the reason I played the live version is uh, just in case you didn't hear it the first time. There's a great moment where they're in the middle of the song and the band literally stops down for about a minute. And as soon as the band goes silent, a heckler immediately yells, fuck you, at Frank Zaffa. <laughs> and then without missing a beat, Frank just answers them, and then the band kicks back in. It's, it's a pretty great moment, so you'll hear it on there. Perfect. So hope you hope you enjoyed that. That was from about 1979, so that song is about as old as I am. Uh, so what do you got next? A Luke? youngster, a 1979 youngster. Excellent. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, next I've got, and I, this is... I don't know if you've ever talked about uh, this on your show. What are your thoughts on Jenny Lane? Is he just the cherry pie guy? Did he have some good songs? Decent singer? What's your vibe? I think he's damn near perfectly rated, but like, <laughs> I think most people, I think most journalists and rock historians will underrate him. Mm-hmm. But I think he was a guy that did everything he could to make it and played the game. But he took it too far, and it shot him in the foot. I think that's really what it comes down to. And that's not just that's not just not fighting for the songs you want to have on your record. 
that's also, you know, abusing yourself and stuff like that. I just think that it's it's kind of tragic because the guy definitely has a lot more talent than people gave him credit for. Right. Uh, and you could always sense, an, all the way down to the very end, you could always sense the frustration that he had about his musical output. I've never so, seen a man I, so angry about a song that made him famous. I know, right? But the, boy, that one, that that BH1 interview where he said, I could shoot myself in the fucking head for writing Cherry Pie. I'm like, dude, like, I don't remember who had uh, Doug Figer on a show. It might have been like Mitch LaFon or somebody. But he goes, you know, do you consider my Sharona an albatross? He goes, yeah, but it bought me a boat and a house. So exactly. anybody who anybody who hates their hit needs to chill the f out. You know? That's what I'm saying. I mean, it was it was uh, ridiculous. I heard it on the video and all that stuff like that. But my whole thing is that you know an easy story song pick for me, and I think Jenny Jenny Lane is absolutely perfectly rated. But uh, <laughs> but he definitely had some. Some some great songs underrated, like on these these later albums. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Doggy Dog was a flop and stuff like that. And they've uh, Dustbuck mm-hmm. Geek has a great behind the music with Michael Wagoner, who was at the Rock and Pods Expo and things like that. But yeah. but uh, yeah, one of my favorite songs doesn't matter. Um, whatever you say about Warrant is Uncle Tom's Cabin. I'm not going to feature that one because that's way too obvious. Ooh. But I, but I do love that song. Um, okay. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah. No, that's a that's a cool song. I, I that's one of those things where I remember reading about that song for a year before I ever heard it because I was a metal edge kid. So every opportunity Janie got to mention that song in an interview, he did all the way leading up to the release. <laughs> yeah. So I believe that they actually were going to call it that uh, before Cherry Pie. But yeah, everything kind of. I, mem- I remember going, oh yeah, the Uncle Tom's Cabin's coming out, and then I remember seeing the Cherry Pie video, and the album was called Cherry Pie. I'm like, what? So yeah, I was I was pretty locked into the to all the build and everything. So mm-hmm. I cared about it that much at least. But I liked Uncle Tom's Cabin. I mean, he called it the greatest song he ever wrote up to that point. I did. I, I could, it probably was. I mean, for sure. Oh, easily, so, easily. Yeah. I mean, I think that if that album had been called that with like an album cover, kind of like uh, whatever, some backwards, cabin. yeah, backwards cabin, looking like kind of like Deliverance or some shit. Um, yeah. I think that would have been a, a, a game changer for him. I think it would have helped. I don't. I don't think it would have bought him a little bit of time. I think yeah. they would have still, you know, fell off like everybody else did commercially. Sadly. Sure, but sure. It's it would have put him in more of the maybe possibly like Doc and Rat camp, Tesla camp, you know, like to where they still get a little credibility because they played the game, but then they also wrote their own chapter afterwards. Right. So yeah. So I'm going to pick the second story song, which I think is a spectacular song um, written by Jenny Lane. And, and, and as a songwriter, singer, um, overall, because of Warrant, he's perfectly rated, but he's definitely definitely a talent. And I'm going to feature a song about after nuclear war, and that's called April 2031. Nice.
All right, in the year 2031 by Warrant from Doggy Dog, their third album. Those third albums for a lot of those bands from that era, that was, I don't want to even say they're make or break, but it you can almost go back in all rock history. It doesn't matter what decade it is. The third one is always kind of their game changer slash artistic statement. You can, it, it goes all through rock history. You can almost point out the third record is always like, okay, we're going to say something now. And they so, definitely did that with Doggy Dog. So what was Theater of Pain saying? <laughs> you know, as soon as I said that, I thought of Theater of Pain. I'm like, don't fucking bring that one up, please. <laughs> <laughs> that was saying, have all of the fun, all of the time. <laughs> Go ahead. If I could quote, Decline of Western Civilization 2. Sure. Which um, Amazing sh- I, movie. So, Joey, um, what other hipster shit do you have to close out your, your little uh, elite show? Well, I'm glad you asked, Luz, because this isn't, I, I don't really think this is hipster. It's only hipster because it's not popular, I guess, but okay. so is a lot of our shit. You know what I'm saying? You know, like we play but, a lot of unpopular stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like we play cult stuff. Like uh, here's, here's my rant. I'll, I'll do this on Cobras at some time too. But the thing that really burns my ass is that, you know, you hear about the term indie music. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's where the hipsters lay nowadays. But the thing that kills me is that like 99% of that stuff, they're on majors now. Like they're the commercial ass bands. We're the fucking indie music because we, yeah, we get to have indie snobbery because all our shit's on independent labels or they're doing it themselves, you know, going on pledge, what have you. Mm-hmm. So we're actually fucking indie. What do, you think of, what do you think about when a band like Megadeth goes on pledge music? I think that's horseshit. I, th- I think so too, honestly. I think that's just a, a they, they treat it like a merch stand. Yeah. And a lot of those bands do it that way. I, think, I, hate, I hate that. You know what's crazy is that, like, and I love the darkness. I think it's the darkness or airborne. It's one of those bands, you know, because they're kind of lumped in a little bit. Mm-hmm. One, one of those bands was like selling their uh, custom guitars, like straight from the factory, basically, like on pledge, you know, for like five grand or whatever. Right. And I'm like, I guarantee you that that's just like one of the handful of guitars they got for free. You know, from from the manufacturer because it's like, what do they think of that? Like, I always wonder if they get like caught doing that. It's like the jig up, you know. Anyway, but yeah. By, I, by I, the way, um, the fact that you are such an airborne fan, uh, yeah, it is great to hear too. Like, like, like some people, a lot of people dog on them. But I thought their last. I, I'm not a huge fan of theirs, but I thought their last album was awesome. Yeah, the only one that's just kind of so-so is that second one. They sophomore slumped, but they they came right back on that third one with a solid record. So their first, third, and fourth records are gangbusters. So I recommend them all for the most part. Yeah. Um, They're what ACDC but, should sound like. I thought ACDC's last album was not good for me. I thought it was fine. I thought it was kind of in the fly on the wall type of yeah. you know yeah. stuff. Like it's it's you know it might be in the bottom three but their stuff is so solid like their bottom three is still not terrible you know their worst album is ball breaker by the way oh absolutely it sounded like uh brian johnson was like gargling rocks on that uh his vocals are so bad on that well it's not even just that the bread on it's good the first song and last song are the only two good songs on it the rest of it's like embarrassing even for them lyrically which is saying something and and why why would you come out in 1995 in the middle of whatever culture you want to call it then with an album called ball breaker. That's almost as good as Tesla putting out an album called bust a nut. Yeah. Yeah. They're the only ones that didn't get better apparently working with, um, 
Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin. Yeah, they actually, he actually dumbed him down more. I want oh to hear dumbass ACDs. Let's get those Beavis and Butthead kids in here. Yeah, they were already there, motherfucker. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. So go go back to your hipster. Yeah. So hipster here. No. Um. There's a band. I don't know. There's a band from the '80s called the Blasters. They had a. They were like very low level of fame. They were featured in that movie Streets of Fire. All uh, right. Yes, yeah, I know do you know that one? It's the, okay, uh, yeah, like nineteen eighty-five. Yeah, yeah, and they're it's on, the band. It's on the movie channel constantly. Yeah, so that 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 rockabilly band playing in the club—that was the Blasters. All right, um, they they still play gigs, but um, the Allen Brothers—they uh, do stuff on their own too, especially Davy Allen. And he put out a solo record a few years ago. I know you're gonna—I I can hear you nodding off through the through the Skype. Yeah, but uh, dude, I don't know if you know about uh, a gentleman. He actually was born in memphis since we just i I just came from there a little bit ago Mm -hmm. and actually died in houston so there's a fun tie into everything that's going on from the last seven days how about that sure uh a gentleman who was a very popular r&b singer in his day called johnny ace he died on christmas day backstage at his concert because he was playing russian roulette oh my god that's terrible (laughs) He was 25 years old, and he was showing off in front of uh, you know everybody that he was holding court with. Started to uh, throw down some Russian roulette, and uh, it didn't go his way. Let's just say. So, uh, if you want to know more about that day, then I have a song here for you by the great Davy Allen of the Blasters, off of his solo album from a few years ago called Eleven Eleven. This song called Johnny Ace is Dead. Right up to his head 
was Johnny Ace is Dead by Davey Allen. I hope you enjoyed that. That definitely tells the gruesome and in-detailed story about that fateful day on Christmas 1954, where Johnny Ace died at the age of 25. That guy was on a roll, too. He had tons of hits. I have enough, He had enough hits to where I have a best of on vinyl of his. So he was going to be like the man, and he came in right in that pre-rock era. He died the year before Elvis really broke. So that guy would have been a contender, but uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, Russian roulette. Don't don't do that, kids. No, that's that's, so, good, that's good advice for the music industry. Yeah. So before we get out of here, uh, Luce, for the benefit of those, and I can't imagine, but uh, for the handful of listeners out there that may be out there that don't listen to Cobras and Fire, which should be you all, a, which should be all of them. No. Nah. So, uh, Luce, the floor is yours. Let's do a little bit of an infomercial. Give me a minute infomercial for Cobras and Fire, and of course the website and all that jazz. Sure. So Cobras and Fire is a podcast with a ridiculous name, kind of like Steel Panther, you know, inspired by Guns N' Roses. We wanted to have, uh, it's a hard rock podcast. We wanted to have the imagery, you know, something that would be on a banner that a, that a rock band would have behind them. Pyro, Cobras, Nick Alice Cooper. That's the name of the show. It's co-hosted by the spectacular Baco. And, you know, we're just, it's rock, rants, ridiculous is our, our tagline. It's also looks good on a shirt too. Yeah, it looks good on a shirt that Joey wears. It's our concept is that rock's not dead; it's hiding. It's hiding on podcasts. The reason I started this is we are kind of the bastards of Decibel Geek. We uh, Baco and I uh, are both writers on the site. Me, I'm a very occasional writer, but Baco writes all the time on there, and that's how I found him. I, I, I basically um, was my first time that I. I 
that I met a man online in a heterosexual way or any way. And, uh, and then we just started the podcast because just like you, I'm sure, there was some point, I'm sure, that inspired you to do the podcast where you wanted to, you felt, I felt compelled to share music with the world, but also that I was inspired by, by podcasts and, and digging deep on Spotify and things like that because, there, because I thought rock was dead. I'm sure you kind of felt that at one point, right? I, I most times in my life I've never felt cool being a rock fan with most people. That's what I'm saying. Like you go there, and you know I felt I want to become part of this community, just like the Rock and Pods Expo. So we started this podcast. We're 90 episodes in. Mm-hmm. Just like I'm talking on this episode, this is how we kind of go tangents, ridiculous. We love the music. We make fun of the music too, because mm-hmm. we make fun of what we love. We don't take it, uh, things too seriously. So anyway, Cobras and Fire. Rock podcast, mostly focused on on hard rock. Uh, we are a lot uh, less intelligent than Joey in our in our palette, our palette of musical tastes. Um, we don't have as much hipster stuff. I was so. say way less hipster. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to dumb down Rock Strikes Ten, come over to our podcast. God, you should you should meet my hipster friends, man. They're all like, oh, whatever, Hanoi rocks, okay. <laughs> whatever they don't yeah. even trust that like to the point where they don't even trust my recommendations like 95 percent of the time terrible uh, but yeah you man. Have this, you have friends like that like where you're just like you have to badger them like 12 fucking times to listen to like one song oh i stop people don't even my friends like i don't even post things on my personal facebook page if you ever noticed that because none of my friends yeah. give a fuck about my podcast so i don't even do yeah. it that i just do it uh it's almost like weird it's like, it's like i have it's almost like this loose cannon is an alternate personality for me Oh, it absolutely is. I can tell. <laughs> exactly. I mean that in the best way. I oh, mean, I like, know. You know. This, is, not, this right? is the real I mean, me. But, you have uh, kids. I mean, I, I get it. You know, I, I, I do not and never will. So I understand, you know. Yep. So this is, this is a release and what a release. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Keep that box fresh in the back of your car. Oh yeah. All right. And there you have it. That was my two hour. Actually, it was more than two hours. <laughs> there was a lot of editing there, but that was my conversation with Luz Cannon from last month, just after the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo. Luz is a great guy, and you should definitely be listening to Cobras and Fire once again. Go check out that show. It's a good old time every time. So here's my notes post-show, just in case uh, you want to purchase any of these songs. And of course, I do always preach purchasing your shit. First song was Texas Hippie Coalition with Don't Come Looking from the album Peacemaker from 2012. Followed by Primus, The Ballad of Bodacious from the underrated, not perfectly rated, anti-pop record from 1999. After that, Dead Daisies with Song and a Prayer from last year's Make Some Noise. Followed by Alice Cooper's The Saga of Jesse Jane, which I called it The Ballad of Jesse Jane at least a few times on that episode. Had two things on the brain, Ballad of Bodacious, so that's why I went there. Also, of course, with Alice, you think of Ballad of Dwight Fry, but in fact... And I should know this, because I love this song. It is the saga of Jesse Jane from Dirty Diamonds from 2005. After that, great pick, of course, by Loose with the Beastie Boys, High Plains Drifter from one of the greatest albums of all time that you should have the whole damn thing, Paul's Boutique from 1989. After that, Warren Zevon with Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner from Excitable Boy, 1978. Also, if you don't have any Warren Zevon, Get that genius comp like I mentioned before. After that, 
the equally fun Steel Panther with Tomorrow Night from Balls Out, their sophomore album from 2011. Then Frank Zappa's Honey, Don't You Want a Man Like Me from, and that one's from the Lather release. There's other versions of that song, but that's my favorite version. So that's why I chose to play that live version on this particular episode. We go like we like to do on Rock Strikes 10 from Zappa to Warrant with April 2031. Not in the year 2031, like I said on the episode. I must have been thinking about that Ziggur and Evans song from the 70s. But April 2031 from Dog Eat Dog 1992. We finished off the episode with not Davey Allen, but Dave Alvin. And, you know, I must have been drunk off the room or something. I don't drink, but I definitely meant to say Dave Alvin, the great Dave Alvin from the Blasters and a stellar solo career. That was Johnny Ace is Dead from 11.11 from 2011. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a lot of fun to do. Not so much fun in the editing process, so I really hope you did enjoy this one. And hopefully Luce will come back on the show. Can't wait to go back on Cobras and Fire. We already have a big thing planned, much like our Alice Cooper big, huge, like, five-part special. Go back on the Cobras and Fire feed and listen for that. That is some great stuff right there. So we'll get out of here. Stay tuned to cnjradio.com for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10, including the ones that aren't on iTunes. While you're on there, stick around for the Synaptic Empire podcast featuring Randy Brown, a true alternative. I'll be guesting on that one soon. And we talked about podcasts coming soon for Last Theater on the Left and the Wrestling House Show. Those are all definitely happening. Matter of fact, as of air date here, Last Theater on the Left has definitely been hard relaunched we're doing 13 episodes in 13 days wrapping up the entire friday the 13th franchise so yeah this has been a long time coming and it's been a blast to do these episodes with chris this is all chris's baby so go check out the new podcast the last theater on the left on znjradio.com wrestling house show podcast coming soon last but not least extra special thanks to pete and the guys from Spacebeard. go to facebook.com Slash Space Beard Band for more information and tell them the Rock Strikes 10 sent you. All right, I got to dive into a bunch more episodes that I have recorded but have not posted. So wish me luck and I'll see you on the next one. Have fun. to the bathroom.
Oh my god. I wish that was louder if I could put that on the ghost track. Hey. You really do have a good mic. Well, you can hear me piss? Are you fucking yeah. kidding me? That is down the hall.
on the computer is better, checking to see if the mic on the computer is better. And where is this mic? Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Long Shots Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 